I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts, a podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. This is part one with Jessica, a recent dating abuse victim. She is a good and trusting person, which made her a useful target for Jeff. Here is Jessica's story, part one. We're speaking with Jessica, who's going to talk about an abusive relationship that she had to endure. Thank God now she's out. Welcome, Jessica. Glad we were able to find a time and do this. Yeah, absolutely. Good to speak with you, too. What was going on around the time you met Jeff? How old were you at that time? And... You know, what were the circumstances? So I grew up in a really small town and was like, I want to get away from here. (laughs) So a couple friends and I moved away, went to college, um, went to a little small Midwest school, finished that two year degree there, decided I wanted to continue school. So onward, upward, moved to the next biggest town, which was Columbia. It was about 10,000 people. So moved there. My cousin had an apartment that she was, you know, deciding she wanted to go back home for the summer because, you know, our little hometown draws you back in. So she was going home. So I was like, you know what? Hey, I'll sublease your apartment for the summer because I already had a job in Columbia. And so I was like, I already have a job here. So I'll just live in your apartment. Moved to her apartment for the summer. Lived there because I was like, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Lived in her apartment over the summer and worked. The crazy thing is, I remember living in her apartment, and she didn't give me any warning to this. I don't know if maybe they just didn't know or their neighbors, but I remember living above this couple and hearing them fight, hearing them fight all the time. And I was like, man, I could never understand being in that kind of situation, like being in a situation where you're constantly fighting all the time. And then I remember one night, hearing it and it got really bad and I could just hear it getting louder and louder. And then I remember it getting, it had to have gotten violent because I just remember hearing screaming and then there were sirens outside and lights. And then I looked outside and the, there was an ambulance and the guy was going in the ambulance and the girl was going to the cops. And the neighbor said that I guess she finally had enough. And I was like, what? You know, it's just like, you know, she must have either protect herself or he went after. I don't know what the situation was, but I was like, how does it ever get that bad? And it's like, you know, from from afar, you judge it and you're like, you know, how do you ever let your situation get that bad? And then it's like, okay, (laughs) never judge a book by its cover if you're not in it. Right. I never would have guessed that I would be in a relationship a year and a half down the road and be in that situation. Right. So I was like listening to it from an apartment above and being like, I'm going to mind my own business, you know, like that's their situation and I don't want to get in it and I don't want to be involved and I don't want him coming after me or like, you know, retaliation. Right. So you just kind of stay in your corner because you're like, you hear it, but you're like, 
they'll figure it out or I don't know what that is. And it's, it's scary, right? Like you hear it, but you're like, oh, that sounds awful. Why would you stay in that? It's just, it's just not a good sound. And you're just, don't understand or you see them and you kind of just look away and you it's just one of those uncomfortable situations so looking at it and then kind of removing myself from that and then looking back and being like oh my god I remember that right like I remember being above a situation like that and not stepping in and saying that's not okay you know so it's just one of those situations where it's like looking into it being like I wish I would have helped that girl a year and a half before because I a year and a half later was in a situation like I just wish I wouldn't have been that far into it it's you never don't judge a situation until you know what's going on right so I had a job at a daycare worked with a couple girls that actually ironically grew up in a small town close to where I grew up which was a couple hours away so it was like this little sisterhood of daycare workers (laughs) so we were all friends this is how I met Jeff one of my friends dated another guy they all played sports together and so I went with her to a game and that's how we met because they played on a team together and he was there so we kind of just started talking then and hit it off. He was charming and that's the drawing, right? Like he's good looking, charming, very easygoing, nice. And I think that it was just like, he gave me a lot of attention. Let me back up. So before, when I lived in this other small town, like going to school with my two friends, I had been in a relationship and it was a little toxic because it was more emotionally unstable. Like he just talked to me not good. And if I would be away from him, it was the constant phone calls and the accusations of doing things that was not appropriate. And it was like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, you know, it was like, it was just constant. And so then when I lived there, my my grandma, who was like my everything, she had passed and I went home for her funeral and he made it miserable for me. He tried to say that I was not giving him the attention and things like that. And and my uncles were like, you need to leave. Like, this is not okay. Like you're making a situation that's already bad worse. And from there I was like, I got to break up this relationship. I can't be with somebody who's, you know, just emotionally not okay. I had already been in a relationship that was not in a good situation. So I think this guy giving me like positive attention, I was like, okay, you know, this is going to be a good situation. So the manipulation started, I think kind of early, but it was in a different direction. It was like the positive affection and he wasn't negative in the emotions, right? It was like, he was always positive and never accused me of anything in the beginning, right? It was always very, you're great. Like he was, but I was doing everything. I was working one job at first and then I had two jobs. So it was like, I had, I was stable. I, you know, worked all the time. I was going to, I was going back to school in August. I had everything. I lived on my own. Like I was stable. So for him, it was like, you know, what could you ask? What more could you ask for in that situation? So he just kind of, 
quickly like moved in with me and it like there was things that I didn't I didn't look for the red flags and I didn't ask a lot of questions it was just we moved really fast and then it just kind of happened he just kind of the move-in just kind of happened it was like he would stay the night and then some of his stuff would st just start to show up and then more of his stuff would just start to come and then he would just go from like staying there one night to like being there more often to being there now and it was just like my space was a little more invaded and then it was just like do you want me to drop you off at work and then it was him taking me to and from places all the time and it was he was just there all the time and then he would bring me lunch and then he would you know it was just he was just there all the time in my space all the time and, and then I was just never without him <laughs> so it wasn't an idea it was just it just happened in my early 20s I was like this is great like I have all of this like I have everything I could want and then in my late 30s like red flag red flag <laughs> like you know like everything that you know someone my age would be like why do you want to do that why would where's what's there's caution everywhere right but back then I didn't I didn't care to see the flags I was just like okay I'm happy right so it was just I had everything else. I was working for everything else. And so it was just the icing on the cake. It just seemed like it was, he just made me happy in that moment. So it was fine. And he didn't bring, I mean, he would be gone. So there wasn't a lot of drama. Like when I would go to work, he would go do his thing. And I didn't see a lot of crazy interactions because I wasn't around. Right. So that was the thing is like, but they started to show up because I would start to see little glimmers of, has there been people in my house when I'm not here? Or, you know, like little signs of like, but has there been people in my house that are male and female? Like who, who is in my house? Like, you know, and then things that I'm like questioning him and then he would get irritated if I questioned him and he'd be like, well, you don't trust me. And it's like, well, I didn't say I didn't trust you, but I'm asking you a question. So why are you avoiding the question? That would start fights and then he would be like, you know, we, we don't need to fight about this and you're just being ridiculous. And it was always me being ridiculous. And it's like, I'm not being ridiculous. I have a right to know because this is my house. You know, like this is not your, and it's like, well, I live here too. And I'm like, you live with me. You know, it's like, he's like, well, then let's just go get a place together because I don't want to be living in your space. It was, it was that became the fight. And then it was, you know, let's get a bigger place and we ended up moving with two roommates which was a total disaster because why ever would you move in with more people <laughs> you know this big party house right you know in your 20s let's go move in with other people which thank god they were my friends because at one point they tried to be like what are you doing you know they tried to bring some i guess sanity to me and be like you have no idea what he's doing when you're not around right like we see some of the things that he's not showing you but I didn't want to hear that I didn't I thought that they were just being ridiculous or being kind of catty jealous girls of my relationship and they were not they were trying to be honest people but at the time I was like God, they're bringing me, I didn't have this drama before I lived with them. And now I have all of this drama. It was not that they were trying to tell me the truth about Jeff. He didn't like that at all.
So he started to really push the envelope between myself and them and our friendship started to deteriorate to the point where one of my friends and her boyfriend, like they were like, we're gone. Like they left the least quick, like they ended up moving. And then my other friend, I remember coming home and she was just gone. Like she just took her stuff and she was out because she fought with him so much that she was like, I will take my stuff. And so I'm like living in this space, no furniture in the living room. Like the living room was gone. So like, cause she had the living room furniture. So I'm like, I have my bedroom furniture upstairs. Cause I had the biggest room cause I had the biggest bedroom furniture. So, and then I'm, and then he would take my car all the time at this point. Cause he was at the point where he wanted to always drive me to work. Right. Which I didn't see that, but huge manipulation move right there. He would take my car all the time to the point where it was like, he would take me to work, but then he was taking my car and leaving me. He'd be like, Oh, I'm going to go run an errand really quick. And he'd be gone for two hours. And I would call him. He wouldn't answer. And I would be like, so he's just leaving me. And at this point, the place that the duplex we were staying was outside of like on the edge of town. I was like, so now I'm just out here on the edge of town with no transportation to get in to town. And hopefully you're going to come back in time for me to go to work. So I'd just be stuck out there, I guess, hanging out in my bedroom at this point because there's nowhere else to sit. Long story short, we ended up having to forfeit that because it was a three bedroom place and we were only the, the only people in that place at the end. We had to forfeit the lease. And I ended up, the company ended up taking all three of us, all three of us girls, because he didn't put his name on the duplex. It was the three of us girls. You know, let's get a bigger place, but then let's have you three put your name on it. You know, there's that, like, driving my car, driving my vehicle, never putting his name on anything. But I'll get to that in a little bit, because there's a reason why he didn't. It's because he couldn't. So we ended up having to forfeit that and they took us to court and I I paid out my end. I ended up getting an apartment after that. It was this tiny, tiny little apartment. I want to tell you about the setup of this because this is important to one of the, the situations that was probably the scariest. The apartment, this one, it was weird because it's like you go inside and then all the doors are inside it's kind of like a hotel right so all the smells and everything from everybody's apartments like lingered inside so it was like an older apartment we lived on the top floor which is like the third floor which made moving super tough tiny apartment it was a two-bedroom but i don't really know how it classified as a two-bedroom because it was really little i had gotten furniture for it and everything moved in i think it was end of October I had gotten a different job to move over there because I was tired of being like I'm like I don't want to guess if I'm going to get to work on time they had just opened a this is <laughs> ironic that uh, Bed Bath & Beyond is going out of business because that's where that's when they were brand new and they were opening a store there and so they were doing like this big job call so I went to an interview for that and got hired on there and it was literally I could walk across the street to this job so I was like I was like I'm gonna do that got a job across the street loved it loved everybody I worked with because I knew them from the minute everybody got hired 
grew to be like my second family. And I will tell you, if it wasn't for this group of people, I wouldn't be where I am now because they're very big part of the story of how I got out. There was a night where we were in the apartment and I just remember being like, I had to, I had to get out of here because it was not a good night. It was like a really crappy situation. Like he had been, when he, when he drank, he was just over the top, just really pushy and it had gotten, like he would always be kind of just like belligerent a little bit. Like when he, when you would question him on stuff, he would get a little angry and just say things that you'd be like, you know, you can't take that back after you say it. When he would drink, and he would drink, like, hard liquor straight. And when he would drink, he would drink a lot. It just went to the nth degree. I mean, it would be like, I would I would sometimes just be like, please just don't come in the same room as me. But in this apartment, it would, you couldn't get away from that. Like, I mean, my only saving grace would be, like, he wouldn't always come home alone. He'd have like one or two of his friends with him. But then one or two times he got comfortable and they would just kind of turn their heads. And I'm like, what? Like, you really aren't going to say anything to him, do anything? Like, you see him acting like this, you're not going to say anything? You see him like grab me or push me against the wall or in, for no reason just because he thinks he's got the right to? That's not okay. And they just kind of turn their heads like, this is none of my business. I don't care who you are. That is anybody's business if somebody's doing that. So this night, it was just one of those nights where he just had done that one too many times. And so I was like, I'm just going to slide out of the apartment when he's not paying attention and just leave and go to one of my friend's house. So I did that. Grabbed my bag, grabbed the keys. Our apartment was in the middle of the hallway. So you had to go all the way down the hallway, go down three flights of stairs, and then we were probably mid-parking lot. I got all the way down to the end of the hall, started to go down the stairwell, and I heard him open the door and was like, I'm just not going to turn around. I'm just not going to acknowledge that I hear. And he's like, hey. And I just kept going. And so I went down the stairs really quick because I'm like, I do not want him to like follow me. I just want to get to the car. I just want to go. And honestly, if I would have, I don't even know if I would have, I, maybe I would have went home. I don't know where I would have went. If I would have went to my friends or if I would have just kept driving, I don't know. <laughs> I, it got to be where, when I got down, like he's, I heard him coming. So I ended up running towards my car and he got to me before I got to the car and he ripped the keys out of my hands. And he's like, I think it's funny that you think that you were going to be able to get out of here before I got to you. He's like, I don't know where the F you think you're going. It just was such a defeating situation where I was like, like, I can't even just have a moment. (laughs) It was just one of those things where it's like, I just want You know, like, he can leave and go do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He has nobody to answer to. And here I am. I just want to have a moment away. And I can't. I can't. And that was just so defeating. 
I think because I had that crappy situation with the guy before, I think I was so embarrassed that I let it get this bad with this relationship that I'm like, I can't go back again and be like, look, I'm in this second bad relationship and I need help out. So it was like, I've got to tough this out. I got to figure this out and figure out how to do this because here I was in this bad emotional situation before and people stepped in and like helped me get out of that. And here I am in this same damn situation again, you know, like, and I'm so stubborn. Like, I don't think I have to listen to anybody. And here I am, like, I've worked myself into such a bad situation. And how do I like, how did I let myself get this bad? You know, I, my parent, my parents are good parents. Like I, but they're, they're older. I never would have, I never told them any of that. Like I, my parents this day don't know any of this. Like I, I probably wouldn't because my mom's a warrior, right? Like she worries about everything. She, I'm, you know, I'm 37. She's still like, do you lock your doors? I'm like, yes, I lock my I've lived by myself for a long time. You know, she still worries about me all the time, but you know, this would have every night. I think I would have given her a heart attack if she, if she knew the way I was living, she wouldn't have, I don't know if she would have made it to her. She's smart, and I think she knew it wasn't good, but I, if she knew, oh, and my, my dad is, is very, like, straight-laced, like, he's, they're very, like, by the book, they go to church on Sunday, like, they're, you know, like, you, you, you know, if I go to, you know, because I go to church, I'm back going to church, doing all that, and like, we're so proud of you, thank you for going back to church, I'm like, I don't need you to tell me thank you for going back to church, <laughs> like, you know, like, it's just one of, so it's, like, I, it would have, it would have ruined them. I mean, it would have just been, they, I don't know if they would have known what to do. I mean, just like, it's a, every parent's worst nightmare, right? Like, to, you don't want to know, you, you hope that you, when you put your kid out there, they're going to make the best decisions. And here I am, like, knowing it's not a good situation. I know I'm not in a good situation. But I'm like, every day I'm just trying to, like, make it through the day right like you're you're just feeling like I know this is not a good situation he's financially draining me he's got my car which I know he shouldn't have my car there's things where I'm like I know this isn't right but I'm like how do I get out of this but I don't know but I can't ask people that I've asked for in other situations for help but I'm like I put myself in this so it's kind of my own situation right so it's like I I didn't feel like I had, it's not other people's burden is what I felt like. And so I just didn't know what to do. So I just, I lived with it for too long. Right. I think it was just, I, and it gets deeper. It gets, it gets way worse before it gets better. That's the bad thing. I was just like, it's, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And it gets bad, but yeah, there were definitely times where he would be like, I'm so sorry that that happened. Like, he had his moments of being the old him, right? Like there were times where it would be like, I I would just say, I can't do this. And there would be like a week or two weeks of just, okay, I can take a breath, you know? Or, or you know, he would take the, the burden off me for a minute and I'd be like, okay, this is going to be fine. We're going to be fine, you know? Or he would, and and then I'd be like, light at the end of the tunnel or he'd back off a little bit or he would you know because my my family did live a couple hours away so he would be like okay hey I got you know 
I went and got the oil change in your car. I have here, you know, I put gas in it. Here's everything you need. Go see your family for a couple days. Let me know if you need anything. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be a he would be like down my neck or like breathing down my neck and like be rude or anything like that. And I would be fine. And then I'd come back and it would be three days from hell, you know, just like him drinking off like crazy and then just be like, I don't know. It would just come out of nowhere. Sometimes I could never get a full read on it. So I would just be like, why, what, what is, why are you like that? Like what set you off? And he'd be like, Oh, I know that I know you're talking to that guy at work. And I'm like, my manager? I'm talking to my manager at work that I have to talk to and close the store at the end of the night with? He's standing with me because he's waiting for you because they wouldn't at night, if I closed the store, they wouldn't let me walk home. So the option is the option was either they drop me off, which would make him mad. He'd be like, Absolutely not, they're not dropping you off. Or he'd have to pick me up because if you're going to take my car, you have to pick me up. So if you're going to be 10 minutes late, 20 minutes late, 30 minutes late, then he's going to be standing there waiting with me. That's his job. So he's not being, he's not trying to date me. He's doing his job. And I'm embarrassed because I'm making this man wait 10, 20, 30 minutes after he's off work, he just wants to go home. And I'm embarrassed because I can't get a hold of someone and I live five minutes across the street. I can't tell him why he can't drive me five minutes across the street because it sounds ridiculous. You're not picking up your phone and I nobody understands why somebody else has my car because again, it sounds ridiculous. And then everything about it sounds ridiculous. So then when you do pick me up, then I'm getting accused of, trying to have an outside relationship with another person because you're late and you're not answering your phone. No, it's a no win situation. So the anxiety is just building all night when I'm like, you know, do I, I'm, you know, working with my guy manager. Do I start calling him early and be like, please don't be late. Cause I don't want to deal with this. I was working with the girl managers. I was like, oh, thank God I'm working with you tonight. (laughs) You know, like I don't have to deal with that later. And I had one girl manager. She was awesome. Candace, she was like 6'2". She was, she didn't care what anybody thought. And she would tell him how it was. She'd be like, Jeff, I know who you are. And I know your personality. And I see guys like you all the time. And I don't like you. Because he would come in the store sometimes and she'd be like, don't come in here when I'm on shift with her because I don't, she would tell him not to come in the store all the time. She's like, she doesn't have time for you and I don't have time for your shenanigans. You need to go. Yeah, she was great. She had a lot to do with helping me get out of that situation. I guess one of the worst nights I'll tell you about whenever he was late, it was a Sunday. So we got off early on Sundays. It was still evening, but it was earlier. And I was I was just like, I wasn't living across the street anymore because Jeff had not been paying the rent. Shocker. Because I was giving him the checks to take them down to the office. And I was, you know, balancing my checkbook thinking he was making the rent payments. And he was cashing those in for himself and not paying them. So when I got a notice saying that, hey, 
you haven't paid rent for a few months. I was like, what? Because I asked him, I was like, hey, you said you've been taking these to the office. And so I went down there and she was like, no, we haven't got it for at least two months. And I'm like, what? And so I went to my bank and sure enough, right to his own self. Because he was going to write the apartment and like the total. I signed it. Why would I think he was going to steal it? I mean, I was, dumb. again, 20, dumb, naive, naive, naive person. Why would I think that he was going to steal from me? Because, you know, we're in a relationship and you would pay your bills first, right? Because we had money. I worked two jobs. It wasn't like it didn't have money and other things. There wasn't a need for anything else. Had money for gas, had money. Like the car was taken care of. Like all of that was taken care of. Why are you cashing in the rent check for that, for yourself? The manipulation was definitely real. So I was like, okay, well, I, again, paid that off, put my stuff in storage, moved in to a friend's temporarily because I was like, I, I was like, I'm, I am done with this. I, I'm not living with him anymore. So I was like, I got to figure out where, what I'm doing from here. So he, he found someplace to go real quick. I didn't care where he went is I was already at this point where I was like, I'm like, we had been fighting so much over so many little things, but he was so manipulative. Like he would just like, you know, he still took me to and from work. Getting my car back was like, I, it was just non-existent. Like I wasn't getting that car back. I couldn't, it was a physical fight. That car didn't belong to me, but I'm like, why can I not have my car? I'll, he's like, I'll take you. I got, I got it. And I'm like, there's just, you couldn't tell him what to do. He, I mean, he, he overpowered me in every physical aspect. So what was I to do in that situation? And I didn't have, I mean, I didn't have anybody there. Like, I didn't have family or anybody there. And he had everybody, I mean, he had people everywhere. And the only person that was, like, super nice to me that was, like, one of his close cousins was then he tried to be like, oh, are you talking to my cousin? I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. Anybody that was nice to me was like, oh, are you trying to talk to them? I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm no. <laughs> oh, there was one time. So his brother, his little brother, stayed with us a couple times at the apartment. This is before we moved out. I would say I was 20... 21, 22, he was in his upper 20s. His brother was like 14. It was so long ago. I mean, I'm like, I'm 37 now. So this was, a, this was a while back. So he was quite a bit older than him. And so he would come stay with us because he, he liked kind of having like the freedom of being able to come over, play PlayStation, do hang out. And we were just a little bit more lenient on letting him stay up later and I think he just liked having, but here's the thing is Jeff was not there. So really he just hung out and was there with me, which whatever, I didn't mind him being there. And when he was there, I will say Jeff was not as bad, but there was one night he was so drunk and this was, this was the worst of the worst. He had me by the throat, like up on the wall and I would say the my only saving grace is that his little brother was like you're gonna kill her like put her like he heard him choking me like holding me up and the only thing I will say was t 
telling him like, stop, you're going to kill her. Stop. And like fighting him off of me. And I think like snapping him out of it. That was my only saving grace. This brings us to the close of part one of Jessica's story. Look for part two on the When Dating Hurts podcast. The interest we are seeing far exceeds all expectations we had. As an example, just two years ago, this podcast had less than 2,000 downloads. Today, we are above 400,000 downloads. You can see why we're excited. The more who listen, the more who better understand domestic violence. We see now that When Dating Hurts has become the platform where dating and domestic abuse survivors can tell their entire stories from those early days when they thought it was love through the horrific nightmarish times of emotional manipulation, power and control tactics, and sometimes devastating physical violence. It sneaks up on people. That's how domestic violence traps people. I want to give extra emphatic thanks to the survivors who have come to us and told us in great detail their personal stories of abuse. These generous survivors have afforded us open access into the worst times they have ever endured. Their lives were made miserable by domineering abusers, people who were relentless in the calculated evil they perpetrated specifically to devise invisible prisons around those they told they loved. These stories, although challenging to listen to, are made bearable because we know that each of the survivors will eventually transition from a victim to a survivor. We see the sheer determination and immense courage it sometimes takes for a person to regain freedom. It's important to know that victims can always get help, victims can always get out, and victims can become survivors. Okay, just a quick reminder, the When Dating Hurts book is available on Amazon. It's in paperback and ebook and audiobook forms. If you're a survivor and you have a story we need to hear, please contact me at Bill Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. Thank you for listening.